This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. In the book of John, John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. The Bible says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. Somebody say, these are written. These are written for a reason. He said, now these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. They are written so that we can believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing we can have life in his name. So today, uh, first, let me uh, just say, this is kind of a new type of title for me, but I, I thought this word was interesting, and it kind of fit. We'll see what happens. But I, I just want to say, Jesus the protagonist. Jesus the protagonist. Uh, let me begin by giving a special thanks to, and a shout out to Sister Angie, Minister Latham, and the staff, and all uh, who, who made last week's anniversary a special event. And I just want to thank all of you who came out, even in the midst of COVID. I pray that God bless you and that you had a, a great time because it was truly wonderful seeing so many. Now today, as we begin this little short series entitled, Jesus to Protagonist, the Protagonist, it is my goal to look at what the Apostle John recorded from Jesus' own words that let us know that he is the central figure of our Christian faith. See, the good news of the gospel is all about Jesus. His primary names alone tell us a story. Jesus means Yahweh is salvation. So it makes sense to believe that he should be the savior of the world. Christ in the Greek is, means anointed one, and in the Hebrew, Messiah. So I say he is the Protagonist. Somebody say protagonist. Now, the protagonist is the principal or main character of a story or literary work. Somebody say the star. See, when you go to certain movies, you know who the star is. Their name is bigger than everybody else. You see them more than you see everybody else. You can tell right away who the... And when you come to church, you ought to be able to tell right away who the the star is. See, the protagonists make key decisions that affect the plot, primarily influencing the story and propelling it forward. The protagonist often faces the most significant obstacles. And, 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 and he is the figure that, that put up with all the opposition that come against him. Now, the opposition is called the antagonist. We know that Jesus had an enemy. We got an enemy. So that enemy being Satan, Jesus often had to deal with him. 
He often had to deal with demonic spirits. He often had to deal with religious leaders who did not believe that he was who he said. I hope you're not an antagonist today because I don't want you coming against the protagonist. Now, the protagonist is the, the main figure and the most prominent figure in a real situation. John reveals real situations, and we see that Jesus was that guy. Amen. The third definition I want you to think about when you think of a protagonist, he is the advocate, the leader, or champion of a particular cause or idea. And that way we look at him as a hero. You know, he is the hero of our salvation. It is because of him being the protagonist that we are. Y'all got to get this today. So today, if you would, go to John, John chapter 4 right quick. John chapter 4. We're going to spend all our time here in John chapter 4. Here in Jesus' world-renowned encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well, I think most of y'all are familiar with that, an encounter where Jesus saw through her outer appearance and saw that she was a troubled woman deep down in her spirit. Now, once he had told her all about herself, you know, and, and that if she would listen to him and receive what he had, he would give her living water. She was at the well, you know, trying to get water. And she was normally, you know, this woman, Adrian, would normally be at the well with a lot of other women. But because she was a social outcast, Cliff, you know, because, you know, she was ridiculed and looked down upon. You know, she had a, she had a tough history. And Jesus looked behind the curtain at the well and looked right into her history and her current condition. And when he started telling her all about herself, you know, all the husband that she done had and the one that she was with right now ain't even her husband. That's why you have to come to the well by yourself because, you know, you got a bad reputation and the other women don't want to be seen with you. But you're at the well to meet the person. To meet the protagonist, someone who can change your life, someone who can change your circumstance and situation. She was at the well to meet the protagonist. And you know, he started to tell her all about herself. And, and you know, once he started to tell her all about herself, you know, sometimes when Jesus peeps into your life, you want to change the subject. You know, she tried to change the subject, you know, and start asking him some questions. But he was telling her all about herself. And then when she asked him the question because she perceived that he was a prophet. You're not just an ordinary man that I'm talking to. You, you must be a prophet. So let's kind of pick up where we find her asking that question in verse 19. He says, now he didn't have this long conversation with a peep behind the veil. Then she says to him, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. There's no way you can know all this about me unless you're special. You, you know, you're not an ordinary man. I don't know who you are right now, but you're not an ordinary man. You done told me some things I ain't never told other folks. You know, and every now and then, you got to let Jesus look behind the veil in your life and tell you some things that the other folks don't even know. And you got to have that face-to-face -face conversation with him about the real you. So until you have that conversation about the real you, you're never going to get delivered from who you think you are. You got to have the conversation. You got to meet him at the well of your life 
and let him tell you all about yourself. See, because sometimes you don't want to reveal who you really are, but he already knows. You just need to meet him at the well. So the woman said, I believe you must be a prophet. Now look at this. So tell me, verse 20, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship? Why we Samaritans claim it to be here at Mount Gershom where our ancestors worshiped? Now, that had nothing to do with him talking about her life. So she deflect now, and Cliff throw out a religious question. You know, sometimes when you, you know, get people to talking about their real stuff, they deflect. And now she want to ask a religious question about worship, about where we are to worship and what you Jews think. That's Cliff, you know, sometimes a religious question. Why do y'all dump? when you baptize and we sprinkle? A religious question. Why do you worship on Sunday and we worship on Saturday? That's a religious question. But sometimes those religious questions is not important to what's going on in your life. We spend too much time dealing with religious questions when we ought to be dealing with our spirit and what's going on on the inside of us. Get away from all those religious questions. She asked him a religious question. But now Jesus replied. Look what he said. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father in, on this mountain or in Jerusalem. What? He said, now look, the time is coming the place that you worship God is not going to be important. The geographical location, Cliff, and the style of worship and the method of worship is not going to be him. But see, it looked like both the Jews and the Samaritans was more focused on where to worship instead of the attitude of. And I think sometimes we come to church on Sunday and we focus on where, whether we're at home or in the house, but if our attitude is not right, if our heart is not right when we come to worship, you might as well not even show Because the place don't make the worship experience. What's in you make the worship experience. And if you don't bring the right spirit into worship, you're not going to have the experience that you should. And then your worship is going to turn into thinking that just because I was physically in the house, God must have been in the place with me. And I dropped by on my way to heaven to tell you that if your spirit ain't in the house, God ain't in the house. So you might as well understand that your attitude and the spirit that you bring to worship determine whether or not you are true. Let me, let me go ahead and read on. I'm getting ahead of myself here. He said, now, you focus, you Jews, y'all got it right. Jesus let them know. The Jews did get this right. But at one time they worshiped on that mountain when Jacob built the well. That's where it's just, the lady had a relevant point. But Je when Jesus, when God changed David and told him to build the temple in Jerusalem, he gave him the design and the location of the place. So that the Jews had it right. So, so we'll give the Jews credit for that because Jesus says, now look at this. In verse 22, he says, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. 
They was worshiping the right God at one time, but they knew very little about him. See, they didn't know the whole story. They didn't understand the whole Old Testament. They only understood the first five books of the Old Testament. So they didn't get a lot of the prophetic words and things of that nature. But they didn't know who the true and living God was in totality. They just only had a glimpse of who he was. There are some people who come to church today, they only got a glimpse of who Jesus is. They don't realize that he is the protagonist. They don't realize that he is that guy. He is the one. The story is all about all about him. He says, now, you know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, because we got the whole law and the prophets and all the poetic books. We got them all. God gave the revelation to us first. In other words, he said, for salvation come through the Jews. Jesus had no problem with that because he went to his people first, the Jews. Then he went to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the word got out to the uttermost parts of the the world. He says, now look, but the time in verse 23 is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When true worshipers, somebody say true worshipers. He could have just said worshipers, but obviously he had to put true worshipers in there for a reason. He says now true worshipers versus false worshipers versus people who don't know who he is, true worshipers will have to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now look at this. The word spirit there is small letter. Later on you're going to see it's capital letters. Now, in spirit, Cliff, Jesus is saying to her, I'm finna reorganize what is considered worship. And when you come and call yourself a worshiper, you got to worship him in your spirit, small less. You know that part of you that God breathed into Adam? You know, before Adam became a living being, he was just a mound of dirt. But God into Adam and he became a living spirit. So what's in you is that same, and that's the part of you that you got to bring to worship. He's not concerned about your outer man, your flesh, because that is not important to God. God is saying, look, you got to bring that small s spirit into the worship experience and leave your flesh out of the equation because your flesh will mess up. True worship, Cliff. Flesh will mess it up. Flesh don't know how to get to God in a true and living way. But your spirit, that part of you, the very essence of who you are, when you come to church, that's the guy you're supposed to bring. That's the person you're supposed to bring. You got to bring him into this equation because if he don't show up, we just got a dead experience. So true worshipers walk in and their spirit is jumping already. We don't need the music to get it going. They know my spirit got to show up because if my spirit show up, it'll change the atmosphere. Things will start happening when my Some of us come to church and we check our spirit at the door. We leave our spirit at home and we bring our flesh, we bring out all the outer apparel, we bring our Bibles, our phones, we look good, but we don't bring us. He said those who worship have to worship in spirit and in truth. In sincerity of heart. 
genuineness. That's all truth means. And if you can do that, then you won't worship the lie. Now get this. When you bring your spirit, which is in you, and then you worship him in truth, you become a place of Cliff, all by yourself. <laughs> Adrian, all by yourself, on your job. You are a walking place of You don't have to wait till you get here on Sunday because now the temple is you. You. And when you show up, worship show up. Because you got the right spirit and you operate in truth. Oh, somebody better get that today. So it ain't about how loud the choir sing and all that, because you could be singing loud in your flesh and your spirit is nowhere connected to what. So Jesus changed the parameters and said, if you're going to worship God, true worshipers got to worship him in spirit and in truth. If you do those things, flesh will catch up. But don't let flesh take control of the worship experience. You allow your Jesus said, now, no, he said that to the lady. He flipped the script on her. You know, she asked him one thing, and then he come back and say, look here. This is how you're going to know that you got to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. He says, now, the Father is looking. Good God Almighty. <laughs> you know he's looking. If he's looking, he's trying to find somebody. And I'm trying to say, is he going to find you, Gloria? When he started looking for true worshipers, are he gonna, is he going to find? What are he going to find when he started looking? Because he's looking for true worshipers. And when he started looking, Jesse, is he going to find? Adrian, Brother Rob, when he started looking for true worshipers, is he going to find? And the way he's going to find you is because your spirit can connect with his spirit. And when your spirit and his spirit connect, then you can worship him in and in truth. Y'all better get this today. You know, if I had a musician, we'd probably shout right here, but we don't need one. We're going to shout here in a minute just because we got the truth. Because we know who he is, who we're looking for. Because we're talking about the star right now. And once you know who the star is and you know your role in the play, you know your role in the movie, you know your role in the script, there's certain things you do as a you know, a co-star, a sub-star. You know, your name is in small print. Your name is in big print. You don't get most of the 90-minute program. You may only get a cameo. But when you get your cameo, you better glorify the star. You better, <laughs> you better let make sure you know who the star is. This is a cameo you get this morning for about an hour and a half. And while you're here, you need to make sure that you glorify the the protagonist, the one who's the star, the one who's the center of it. Y'all better get this today. He says this now, verse 23. He said, now look, I'm going to say it again. But the time is coming, indeed, it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father's looking for those who will worship him that way. Then he come back and say, God is spirit, capital S, and those who worship him must, not my, not may, must worship him in spirit. If you are not worship him in spirit and in truth, then there's a possibility you're not worshiping. 
See, spirit lets me know what your attitude and your mind is while you're in here, while you're online. See, if your spirit is with me online, you're going to be in tune with what the Word of God is saying. But if you're washing dishes, cooking breakfast, you can't call that worship. Because you're into physical activities and your heart and your mind is taking care of something else. You're trying to make sure them grits don't get boiled over, them eggs don't burn, or that bacon don't be too crisp. You can't call that worship. You, you just call that going through the motion of the field. I hear something that's being said on the TV. I hear something that's being coming across on my instrument. But am I truly... I ain't got no problem with y'all who gonna stay at home till Jesus come back. But if you're gonna stay at home, you need to hear from me first. You need to set aside a time where you're gonna worship him in spirit and in. Eat your breakfast before the service starts. Eat your breakfast before everything else. Or if you don't, then eat your avocado and toast late. Because he's looking for a true worshiper. Can't find you truly worship him while you sucking down grits. Because they're too hot in your mouth, can't wonder. And you trying to eat them grits and worship God and say now, it just ain't possible. Now, I ain't hating on you because you're at home. I'm just trying to change your habit because I'm talking about the star. The protagonist wants you to give him all the, all the attention. Everything got to be about him. Sanctify this hour of time that you're going to spend with him and glorify him in your worship. Now, I didn't come to pick on the folks who are going to stay at home for the rest of their worship experience or the rest of their Christian life, but I did come to send you a message loud and clear. The protagonist got a problem when he is not the center of it all. He said, look, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. One who is called the Christ. Somebody say the star. The protagonist. The one who the story is all about. The leading character in the story. They say, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then the star. Let the word out. He says, to her, I am the Messiah. <laughs> I am the one you've been looking for. I am the one that's going to deliver you. I am the one that your salvation comes through. I am, and when you look deeper in that, that's the same I am that he told Moses standing at the burning bush when Moses was concerned. Who am I going to tell him who sent me? Just tell him that I, that I am sent you. And Jesus said, look here, I am the eternal one. I am the boy the star was talking about himself. He can do that, you know. He making it clear who he was to her. And if she get that revelation, her life will change forever. I'm more than a prophet. You, 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 I understand you gave me a little small prop, but you didn't give me the capital letters. Yeah, I'll, I'll be your prophet. I'll be, you know, anything you want to be. But don't forget, I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. I am the one who this story is all. <laughs> you know, I had a hard time when I ran up on that word protagonist because I say some people ain't going to understand because I didn't understand it first. I thought the protagonist was a bad guy until I had to go to Webster and every dictionary. I even asked Siri, 
Siri, what does protagonist mean? And boy, Siri started laying it out to me. I said, oh my God, Siri, you sound like you know who Jesus is. You, Siri, you, 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 sound, you sound like you know who Jesus is. Because all that definition, I can fit Jesus right in that thing. Just Google it, man. Say, man, somebody know who Jesus is. He says to her, I am the Messiah. Now, after he make that revelation, the woman get excited. And then, you know, by that time, you know, Jesus had to dwell with her by himself. Then the boys come back. You know, they had been off looking for something to eat. They was hungry. And so they went and found something to eat and come back. And their mind was still locked in on physical things. They didn't understand that a spiritual transaction was taking place at the well. And they was more concerned about the fact that he was there by himself talking to a woman. Like you say, Cliff, a Samaritan woman at that. Now look at this, verse 27. It says, just then the disciples came back and they were shocked, amazed, you know, to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask. What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? Now they were shocked because they were still stuck in their tradition. And, and they were still stuck in their prejudices. Because you know, for Jesus to be at the well with a woman went against tradition because rabbis never hang, hung out with women by themselves. And normally in public, they didn't hold long conversations with women without being in the presence of somebody else. Then uh, now to be caught with a woman by yourself, and then on top of that, a heathen woman? They don't know her story, but all they know is her ethnic group. And because of her ethnic group being a Samaritan, she must be bad. Because we Jews have always thought that they were no good half-breeds. They were part of us one time, but then when they got overtaken by the Assyrians, they started intermarrying with everybody else, and then now they tainted the bloodline, so therefore we look at them as no good, sorry, half. They didn't get it. They were walking with Jesus, and this woman, who was a sinner when she met him, but an evangelist when she left, knew more about him than the twelve that was walking with Jesus had never revealed his whole self to nobody until he got to this one when he said, I am the Messiah. They didn't get it. There's some people today who just don't. We think the show is about us. We think when we come to church, it's all about what we got on, all about what we bring today. It ain't about you. You come here to glorify him. The story is all about him. We have made too much of it about ourselves, and now the star is getting drowned out by you, your personality, your issues, your this, your that, your other, and then now you ain't got time to focus in with your spirit on the, to see what the star got to say to you, to see what he got to reveal to you about your life, just like he revealed some things to this lady about her. But at the end of the story, he wants to make you better. He wants you to see yourself in a different light so that you no longer see yourself like you saw yourself before you met him. This woman saw herself a certain way. She was ashamed to go in and be amongst other women, but now she's running away from the well, ready to meet everybody. 
No longer ashamed, no longer afraid to get up in the face of the very people that probably ridiculed her. Put her down. But the disciples, they didn't get it. Somebody say they didn't get it. You know, they wanted to know, man, what do he want with her? So at least, Cliff, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They maybe thought enough of Jesus' integrity to know that he wasn't trying to get over on the woman at the well. He wasn't trying to set up a date to be her seventh husband. They must have had enough, because they didn't have the nerve to ask him the question, but they were thinking, but they had enough about his integrity to say, we, we, don't even go there. Just, let's keep it in your mind. You know, sometimes you need to lose your nerve and stop asking some crazy stuff that you ask folks sometimes. Sometimes you could be asking people some questions, you need to say, man, I ain't got the nerve to even ask that person that question. I know too much about them to even. <laughs> the disciples just had a nerve to ask the question. And so in between time, you know, Jesus, you know, have a conversation, but what happened with the woman? The woman left her water jar beside the well, Cliff. And she could have just walked back to town. But Adrian, the Bible says the woman started. Man, I done got set free at the well. And I got to run. I met the star at the well who told me all about myself. And now I got to. I ain't got time to be lollygagging and slow poking and getting back. I got to. Every now and then when God has done something for you, you need to run and tell somebody. I mean, now you ain't going to run. Just get on there with them thumbs. Them thumbs ought to be working. The Lord revealed something to me today. God, everybody needs to know what I know right now. I got to get the word out. I got to let the world know I know who the star is. I met the protagonist. I met the one who told me all about mine. <laughs> the lady ran and forgot what she primarily came to the well for. She must have been excited, Cliff. She must have been enthusiastic about something. You know, you just, you know, I came here for water, and now all of a sudden I ran up on this living water and didn't know I was going to do it. And because this living water got on the inside of me, I got to leave this natural water because right now what I got on the inside is more important. Because my spirit now has connected with the Messiah. I done met him face to face. I know who he is, and now that I've met him, I need to run and tell everybody. She ran and tell everybody. And then verse 29 say, she said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did or everything about myself. Now, look, look at this. All of y'all got an everything I ever did story. And you ain't never told nobody the whole story. So don't sit here and look at me like you amazed and shocked I said that. Because I know, I believe 100% of y'all ain't never told nobody the real, 100% raw, real deal who you were before Jesus. And so since you ain't told nobody else, you need to sit down with him and let him replace some stuff in your mind and show you what he brought you from so that you can run away from that situation. Say, I have met a man who told me everything thing about myself, everything that I've ever done, even though I never told nobody else, that was deliverance for that woman. 
See, you don't get delivered while you're still holding on to who you were before you met Jesus. You need to just sit down and have that counseling session. Let the protagonist be your counselor. Sit down and just say, Lord, from beginning to the end, I'm going to tell you everything. And I want you to reveal to me the things I'm trying to hide, the things I'm trying to keep out. Lord, while I'm sitting here with you, just speak to my heart and say, you know, Cliff, you forgot that. You know, you didn't recall that. You know you did that, don't you? Yeah, you're still holding on to it. That's why you can't be all you need to be for the Lord, because you, you're still holding on to that. You know, glory, you know you left that out. You know, I, I know the story. I'm looking for you to just tell me the whole thing. If you just listen now, I'll help you with it, because I can tell you who you are, what you've done, and where you've been, but you already know it. You just need to make sure if you want to be set free from all that, you've got to sit down with the protector. Let him be your therapist for a little bit. Just sit down and talk to him about all the things that's troubling you based upon what you've done, where you've been, who you have encountered. All your, most folks who are married have never told a whole <laughs> to the other person in their life. And what happens is they get revelation that 10 years in, 15 years in, and sometimes they can't So I tell folk, when you get ready to get married, you better lay it all out there up front. What you were before, after, and now. Say, lay it all out there so the five years from now, she don't have to run up on this or he don't have to run up on that because you're already free, you've been delivered. And look here, if you're going to marry me, you know everything about me. And if you can't handle it, don't marry me because look here, I ain't got time for your foolishness five years in. All of a sudden, you, didn't, you can't handle the fact that you weren't the one <laughs> you, you, you know what I'm talking about, Cliff. Sometimes y'all get it. You know, you can't handle that. You want to. You, you, you know, you want to. See, you, you came into this thing, Aiden, thinking that you would have won. And I can handle this. If you told me up front, I wouldn't have won. But don't tell me two years or five years in and two kids later. I'm talking to somebody who out there planning to get married. You know, I'm trying to help y'all right now. Those of you who are married, you got to be wise. <laughs> you won't start talking about this now, I'm just telling you. You, got, you really got to be operating in the spirit of the Lord and let the Lord lead you. And you need to say, Lord, talk to my spouse, talk to my wife, talk to my husband. Because look, here, I want to I be free. I just want to tell them. Man, truth makes us free. So she said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Man, I, I, you know, that made me stop right there and had to think about Larry Bolden for a minute. Everything, Jesus? You mean even when I was eight, nine years old and we were little peeping toms? <laughs> everything, Jesus? You know, we used to run through the hood looking at folks' windows. At night, we knew who was fighting. We knew who was showering. We knew everything that looked clear, and I ran with it at night. We were, we were just low down. Low down. Low down. Everything. <laughs> everything. Adrian, you know, you got to say everything. Somebody, I, I would have left that piece out. No, everything. Everything that you ever done. 
Yeah, everything. Man, I remember a time I had a crush on my cousin. Every. <laughs> in the Jewish faith, that may have been all right, but that didn't play too well in the hood. <laughs> you know, in the Jews, they do marry cousins. They do, they do, that, they do that thing. So I'm talking about... See, until you have that everything moment with the Lord, you ain't going to never be free from who you were before you. Let me move on. Y'all getting real quiet right there. <laughs> everything I ever did. Then she said, now look, could he possibly be the Messiah? Now, she talked to the other folk. Now, guess what? She had done all, he had done already told her he was. Now, why did she frame her witness and questions that way? Could he possibly, Adrian, be the Messiah? See, she was going back to talk to some self-righteous folks. And because they knew of her before Jesus, she figured in her mind, they ain't going to listen to nothing I say. If I tell them I done met him and he the real one, I say, look here, what is this, 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 this S word? What is this? Done been married six times. This S L U. You know this. This what is this H O? What is this? This this this. What did she tell us? But they just don't know that she done been. And she got a message that can save your. So she had to frame her witnessing moment in a way so that they could hear the message and start them to thinking about what she was saying so that they didn't crucify the messenger. So often we come to church and we crucify the messenger and we don't hear the message all because the messenger had on the wrong dress or the wrong suit or the wrong tie or the wrong pair shoe. We miss out on the message because we spend too much time Focusing on the co-star, the sub-star, the tertiary person in the play, and we lose sight of the star because you're worrying about what color is Pastor Bolden's suit. And is that a polka dot shirt on? Is that does that match with the shoes he got on? Who? I am not the star. I am not the protagonist. Jesus is. And so if I do anything to glorify me, then I'm taking your attention away from the... And you know what? Co-stars and sub-stars got to know who they are. They know, they know, Adrian, they know that when the name go up on the board, their name going to be small. They don't go there expecting my name to show up like, you know, you know what some of them big stars, you know, like Angelina, Jolene, you know, what her husband name, what the boy name? Brad, yeah. See, you know Brad going to be in capital letters big up there. You know, kind of like Denzel. You don't normally see Denzel letting name in small letters. So he be the man. He be that one. He be the, you know, he don't take co-star and roles no more. <laughs> you know, if, if I can't be the lead, that movie ain't for me. And so what we got to understand, we got a lead. We got a main character. We got a star. And we join the team knowing that we are sub-stars. We are under him. We are tertiary figures. We are not the spotlight. He is. 
He is the one that brings the team together. He is the one that died for everybody. He is the one that is the protagonist. So he said this. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. All because of the word of a woman who they wouldn't even care nothing about. You know, because I've been looking at this movie, The Chosen, and they call it a district that people like that live in. They, cut, they got a name. They just, I did the red district down there where all the bad folk hang out. You know, the, you know when the Pharisees went down there, they went down there, you know, like they were scared to be around the inner folk because that was just where all the evil and bad folk hang out. This woman like that, she was hanging out in that district where nobody would want to be caught dead with her. That type of woman. And guess what? Now, that same woman that they wouldn't be caught dead with is giving life to them. Good God Almighty. Don't downplay how God can use you and how the Lord can use you and make you a good supporting actor, a good supporting star, in spite of what you were before he met you. The Bible is full of folk who had some jacked up lives that God has reached out and the Lord has reached out and touched them and all of a sudden they become some powerful, powerful co-stars. They always remember, we are not the star, but sometimes, you know, Denzel reached down and said, hey, Cliff, I want you to be in this movie with me. Cliff said, yeah, I'm glad to be there, man. I'm glad to be there. I'm glad to be there. But you got to remember, you ain't Denzel now. Jesus reached out, Cliff, and said, Cliff, I want you to be on my team, but good, one thing you got to remember, I am the protagonist. You're just a secondary character, but your role is to make me because if you make me big, other people will come to know more about me because of This woman went back and she made Jesus big. And when she made Jesus big, the people started streaming from the village to come and see. Verse 39 through 42, and I'm done. It says, many, somebody say many. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything. I ever did. Man, when he revealed to me who I was and he told me all that, them people heard her testimony and many of them started. Not all of them. Some of them were still hardcore. They wanted to hear from the man himself. But, but there are some who are going to believe your testimony, Cliff. Jesse, there are some who are going to believe your testimony. Zantel, there are some who are going to believe your testimony. But there are some who are going to have to wait till they have an encounter with Jesus for them. And you know, most of the time, those people who wait to have an encounter with Jesus with themselves is when they don't find themselves in a predicament that they can't get out of. Or they got to survive something that they thought that they would never survive. And they ought to say, look, I wish I had known Jesus before I got in that car accident. I wish I had known Jesus before I got the bad diagnosis. I wish I had known him going in so that I would know how to handle the situation that I'm in now. But nevertheless, as long as they get him before they take their last breath, all is well with their, with their soul. So some of them believe. Some of them are going to believe you. We got to leave this place after we have been in the presence because our spirit was here in worship. We got to leave here with the same excitement to tell folks through our mediums that we use how much the Lord spoke to our heart today. What did he reveal to you? If you just walk out of this experience today and just leave it here, then you never worshiped him in spirit 
and truth. You were just present in the house in the physical. But physical presence don't mean spiritual worship. I know that seemed bad and seemed cold because some of them been going to church for 40 years and just going in the house. But they never had an in. Because their spirit never opened up to receive what he was pouring out through the word. Some of you all need to take what I'm reading. Now go back and read that chapter 4 of John. And I guarantee if you read it with your spirit mind and let your spirit open up, God will show you some things that I didn't even. There's some stuff in that that'll just blow your mind. So look at this. He says, when they came out to see him, verse 40, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days. Long enough for many more. Somebody say many more. Many more to hear his message and believe. Look here. Then these guys, the many more. See, the first bunch, they believed the lady. But the second bunch, they had to see the star. They wouldn't believe the co-star, the sub-star, the tertiary person in the story. They wanted to hear from the man. I ain't got no problem with that. that some folks said that who's going to wait till the man speak themselves, but you better start listening to some of all these messages that he's sending into your life, revealing certain things about this word that you need to know. You're never going to meet the man unless somebody have introduced you to him through the word. He says, they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him for ourselves. And look what they see. This is power. They got this revelation before the Jews. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Now we know. Now we Samaritans know. Now we half-breeds know. Now we know, along with this woman who had a jacked-up life, now we that he is the savior of the, not just the Jews, but the savior of the, so it don't make no difference if you're in Africa, in Europe, or America, South America, anywhere, Antarctica, if you don't know Jesus, you need to know who he is, because he is the savior of the world. He, I hear the young people say that, I like that, I like that, they always look for that guy. And I hear these young guys who want to blow themselves up. Uh, you know, I want to be that, that guy. What is that guy? Who is that guy? You want to be that? You better meet the guy. Because until you meet the guy, you ain't much of that guy. If you meet the guy, he may make you that guy. You want to be the best at this and the best at that, the top of your field? Meet the protagonist and then let him lead you in the direction that you need to go so you can be that guy, that girl, that woman, that whatever you want to be. Be it playing a secondary role to him and he will lift you up higher than some people that you're trying to impress. Want to be that guy. Want to be the one that make that impact, Adrian. Want to be the one who named that show up in light. I am that. And I ain't got no problem with that. As long as your light don't shine brighter than Jesus. You founded this. Put your name up there. You founded it. But above that, say, I was in touch with the guy. The protagonist. 
Me and him are on the same team, and I receive revelation through him. The things that I get don't come from me. It becomes because of my relationship with him. Because I know the guy. I know the protagonist. Then guess what? I can be a fine supporting actor. And guess what? Even though my name is in small print, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end, Cliff, at the end of the day, when the movie grows 300 million, 500 million, and it's seen all over the world, they see my little role in that. And I got a little reward that's coming back to me because I was a part of something bigger than myself. You got to realize you are a part of something that is bigger than you. And your reward is connected to how you look up to the Church and worship is all about him. All about him. When we come here, our focus and our attitude and our mind got to be on Jesus so that we can worship in spirit and in truth. And until we do that, we're just coming to church in the physical, but our spirit is nowhere impacted by what we're receiving. I hope you get this revelation today. Spirit, your spirit, is in you. It's in you. And God can speak to that spirit that's in you and let you worship him in truth. Your worship experience don't have to be a lie. It don't have to be a facade. It don't have to be based upon what you see somebody else do. It can be based upon what he tells you to do. And what you feel and what you sense that he's saying to you. And once you get that revelation, you don't care about what everybody else is receiving. Because now this is me worshiping him in spirit. I ain't, see, when I'm watching Spirit, I ain't looking around to see who else is doing what. Is, is she clapping? Is he clapping? Is he rocking? Is it, look here. This ain't about them. It's about you. You came here to get something from the star yourself, and you can't get it if you're worried about everybody else around you. It's the aesthetics, man. It's the light too bright today. You know, it's a little stain. You know, the S4P look blurred up there. You know, oh God. What is wrong with you? These lights and the aesthetics didn't die. That's a physical attraction that you have in a spiritual experience. I'm done. I'm through preaching. So somebody going somebody gonna to get mad. And the more I talk, the more trouble I get in. So let me tell you. <laughs> get a Lord a hand. Have a praise. Come on. Let's celebrate the protagonist. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to your name, Jesus. You are the star. You're the main attraction. The gospel is all about you and not about us. Hallelujah. 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 And those of you who are students of the word, look here, if you want to know where I'm going with this series, just go through your Bible and find out every place where Jesus said, I am the. I am the. When you find that, you're going to see exactly what I'm going to tell you because he's saying, I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the truth vine. He's going to tell you who he is. He ain't going to hold it back. He's going to let you know that he is the star of this story and nobody else going to get his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
We glorify you today, Jesus. We magnify you today. We exalt you because our spirit then got in touch with you and our spirit know how to worship you in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory! Hallelujah! Thank you. Thank you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Glory be to your name, God. Glory be to your name, God. Glory be to your name. I have several appeals for you. My first appeal is for salvation. If you don't know the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, the testimony at the woman, of the woman at the well ought to be enough to let you know that you need to know who Jesus is. Don't make no difference how bad you are, what you've done. He came for the whole world. The world was lost without him. And so without him, you're still lost. But that woman's testimony at the well ought to be enough to let you know the boy, if he could save her. Man, he could save her. Man, she had five husbands living with another dude all by herself, didn't have no social network friend. Nobody wanted to talk to her on, you know, on the iMessages. He wasn't getting on Twitter hits and none of that. I mean, she was a bad girl. And I'm just sure there were some bad boys, too. I don't want to single out the girl. There's some bad boys, too. But no matter how bad you are, Jesus died for you. The star laid it all on the line just for you. And if that is you and you don't know him, you've never accepted him, please raise your hand if you're in the house or just send us an iMessage if you're online or give us a call here at the church, 850-862-3899. Hit extension zero and someone will answer your call. If that is you, if you're in the house, please raise your hand. And yes, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to make him my Savior and my Lord. I see no hands and I take it at all the same. My second appeal is for church membership if you're here and you're looking for a church home, if you're online and you're looking for a church home and the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart and telling you that striving for perfection ministry is the place for you, please, please, please raise your hand if you're in the house or just send us an iMessage, give us a call if you're online. Amen, I see no hands. Then my last appeal is for prayer. I ask that you have your attitude and your heart and mind set for prayer. You know what you need from the Lord. You know what you want to ask for. You know how you want to praise him in your prayer. You know whatever it is you need to say. I just ask that you just, as I pray, that you be communicating with God in your spirit because he is He already in tune with your spirit. All you got to do is just open up and let him have access. He's in tune. He knows what you need before you even ask. But just pour out your soul, pour out your spirit to him and let him know, Lord, this is what's on my heart. Oh, Lord, I just got a praise report. I just want to give you some praise, God. I just want to let you know I'm so thankful and grateful for all you've done for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for Jesus' wonderful encounter with the woman at the well. There was so much truth in that encounter, God, that has opened our eyes up to how we can truly worship you in spirit and in truth. And God, I just pray that you continue to reveal more and more from your word that we need to know that will make us better Christians. Because, God, we want to be better. We don't want to be just be going through the motion of worship. We don't want to be going through the motion of, of talking about our salvation. But, God, we want to get to the point where we are living our salvation, where we become that living letter, where we become that energetic evangelist, that energetic person who will go back and tell the world like that lady did, go back into enemy territory where people despised her to let them know that I got something that you need. And if you accept what I'm telling you, it can change your life forever. 
God, make us witnesses for you. Make us evangelists, God. This woman didn't go to school. She didn't go to college. She didn't have no degree in theology. She just met the one who knew everything. She just met the one who was that guy. And he could energize her and excite her and mobilize her to go back and share that gospel with somebody else. He can do the same in your life today. There are some of you that got friends and family that just need to know who Jesus is. So give us the boldness, God. In addition, if there's any needs that we have, God, I ask that you meet every need in the people's lives that are here and online today. Touch their hearts and minds, God. Let them know that everything is going to be all right. No matter what they're going through, let them know that they're going through it with the protagonist. He said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And we thank you for the truth of his word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, if you will. Hallelujah.